back. Let me tell you, let me tell you about my Jesus. I hope you know my Jesus. If you don't, today would be a good day to get to know him. Did you know that? You betcha. You betcha. Uh, let's go to word, Lord in prayer. Jerry Schmidt, would you lead us, please, buddy? Amen. Very good. We'll be in Ephesians today if you want to turn there. First chapter of Ephesians. The title of the message is A Passion to Know. A Passion to Know. I hope every one of us in here has a passion to know. One of the saddest things I think that, that we see around our, our, our world today and even around this area is the closing of churches. Churches. Places of praise and worship. Places where God's word has been preached. Places where salvation is experienced. Places where people's lives are changed for eternity. Places where Christians gather to worship and to praise. And all of a sudden, uh, the doors are closed to that church. Maybe the church has been sold. I don't know. Maybe the building is just empty for some reason. But they no longer meet there. Maybe it's a (laughs) nail salon. Maybe it's a restaurant of some sort. Or maybe the empty the building is jumped empty. And I've often wondered, I wonder why that happened. Why did this building that is here that once housed a group of worshipers? I wonder why it I wonder why it closed. I wonder why it's a nail salon today. And I just wonder, and I and I just don't know, but I, I, I wondered did, do you think just people just quit coming? Do you think they just got to the point where they just didn't care? Do you think maybe they got to listening to some false teachings out of God's Word and He just took their light away from them? Do you think maybe they just got lazy in their approach to God? Maybe they stopped pursuing the things of God. Maybe a little pride came into that, that group of believers and maybe they got to the point where they thought, maybe, I, maybe we can just do this by ourselves. We'll make our own decisions. Easy to do. And you wonder why. Did they lose their first love for God? Did they lose their love for people? But for some reason... That building is no longer a house of worship. And today, Paul wants to kind of address that issue, if you would. Because it could happen to any group of believers, I think. When a group of believers uh, decides not to pursue the things of God. When a group of people decide that they no longer want to know a whole bunch about God. 
when a group of believers lose their first love and they leave their first love, those things can happen. And Paul today in Ephesians 1, he is trying to make sure, if you would, that never happens to this church. In Ephesians 1, we know uh, the first part of it. It talks about who we are in Christ. And then today's message is not going to be that, but it's going to be a prayer that Paul prays over that, that church. And I suggest to you the prayer that he prays over that church is a prayer that I have prayed over this church this week. In the first part of Ephesians 1, 1, we see Paul reminds us who we are in Christ, who we are as Christians. And if you ever get uh, down or depressed or just not, not feeling it sometimes, I would urge you to go to Ephesians 1. Because as born-again believers, this is who you are. This is what God has done for you and I. And I want to just, just go through, through these quickly. But I want to just to point these out to you, if you would. In verse 3, it says, we, are, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's what God has done for us. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In verse 4, it says, we have been chosen from the foundation of the world. You are a chosen group of people. In verse 5, it says, we have been adopted into the family of God. Adopted into the family of God. In verse 7, it says we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 7 also says we have been forgiven from our past, our present, and our future sins. Verse 11 tells us we have an inheritance and we are God's inheritance. And He wants to bless us because of that. And in verse 13, it says we are sealed forever and forever by the Holy Spirit. Because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have been born again. And because of that, we have His seal. We have His stamp of approval that God will do what He has promised us to do. You see, that is, that is some really good news. That we have been blessed and we've been chosen and we've been adopted. Redeemed by the blood, forgiven of our sins, sealed for eternity, and we are His inheritance. And Paul wants to remind us, and he wants to remind this church of Ephesus, what, who you are in Christ. I hope you'll never, ever forget that. The apostle also know that how much God had blessed them. How much God was blessing this church. But he also wants to remind them. That salvation is just the beginning. Okay? Salvation is just the beginning. It is not the end. Salvation is the beginning. And, and he's going to remind us and remind them that, that it is our responsibility, if you would, to grow in Christ. To grow in our love for him. To grow in our faith. To grow in our love for the Lord. To grow as we pursue the things of the Lord. And to move forward in our faith. We are to move forward. and We are to mature. We are to get stronger in our faith. And Paul wants to remind us that if we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. And as believers, we cannot just sit still and say, well, I'm saved. That's good enough. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that. The Bible tells us we need to move forward. We need to become part of a what's called sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart. 
And we need to grow and we need to experience and we need to be maturing in the faith. Because if not, you're going backwards. And when we go backwards as Christians, it does nothing more than give the devil an opportunity to come into your life, to give you a wedge in your life, to, to, to hinder your testimony. And, and ultimately, just like I started the message with, possibly causing a group of people to walk away from the Lord, walk away from their building where they no longer will meet. And Paul would be telling us, I, I, that cannot happen. We, we as a group, we as a church need to be moving forward in the Lord. In verse 15 and 16, it, he kind of starts it off here. And uh, he, he says something nice about him. And in verse 15, it says, For this reason, I too, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Paul says, You know, I've heard of your faith. Church family of Ephesus, I've heard how you are. I've heard of, the, of this strong faith that you have in the Lord. I've heard of how many people, he would say, that have come to the Lord, that have given their heart and life to the Lord. And, and, I, and I've heard about this. I've heard this gathering, how much, you, how much you love the Lord and how much you want to send that message out, if you would, to around the world. See, he wasn't in Ephesus, but he's heard of their reputation. He's heard of their faith. He's heard how much they love the Lord. And he's also heard, it says there in, in 15, your love for all the saints. He's heard about that. He's heard how this church loves others. He's heard about how the church loves the Lord. He's heard of that they've sent in that message out. And he is telling them, oh, man, you guys, you guys are doing so good. You are doing so good as a church, loving the Lord and loving others. But I think Paul wanted more than that from them. He wanted more than just, just loving God, if you would, and loving people. And he begins praying over this, this group of believers. He wanted them to know more. He wanted them to grow in their love for the Lord. He wanted them to have a deeper relationship with the Lord. And he wanted them to experience the power that only God can give in a person's life. See, he was very concerned about them. Yeah, they're doing good. But here's something that you need to do. You need to keep growing in the Lord. You need to get deeper in your love for him. You need to experience more of his power. And he, and he prays this over his people. In verse 16, he says, I do not seek... I do not cease giving thanks for you. You see, he, he's praying and he said, thank you, Father, for, for their faith. Thank you for their, their love. Thank you for their commitment to you, Father. Thank you for their witness to you, Father. Thank you for, for them sending the message out to their, to their friends and their family and their known world. Thank you, Father. And he says, I, I, I continue to pray for you all the time. What a great thing to have somebody praying for you. What a great thing it is to have somebody praying over this church body. And as I was kind of studying this and kind of looking at it, you know, it, 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 this came, it kind of dawned on me that, that in essence, Arapahoe First Baptist Church has a lot of similarities to this church in Ephesus. Did you know that? A lot of similarities. 
because you see, we too love the Lord. We too love other people. We too faithfully try to preach from God's word every Sunday. And we too try to send the message out to other places. I don't know if you know that, but we do that every Sunday. Every Sunday this message is recorded. And Dirk puts it on YouTube. And anybody around the world can click on this message and will be able to hear this message. I've heard pastors in Zimbabwe say, we heard you preach Sunday. You see, this church is sending the message out around the world, just like the church of Ephesus. And I got to thinking about that. And as Paul is praying over them, and I have prayed over you this way, that our knowledge of him will, will grow. Uh, that, that our knowledge and our love for him will grow. And we'll be able to experience the power just like Paul is praying for them. I've been praying for you guys. This is what I want for you. I want us, I want us to be not just saved people, if you would. I want to be people that are actively engaged with the Lord on a daily basis. Allowing the Lord to dictate how we live today. And how we dictate how we, how we live tomorrow and the decisions that we make and, and the roads that we're trying to decide to take. We consult Him before we do anything about that. So here, is, here are some things that Paul will say that he's prayed over this church. And uh, these are the things that I prayed over you this week. Paul would tell us in verse 17, he said, I, I want your knowledge of the Lord to grow. I want the knowledge, the things that you know about the Lord to grow. You know, when we look at the Lord, we look at God Almighty. Sometimes we have a tendency to put God in a little box that we think of. We, we think of him, he's, he's like this, and he's like this, and he's like this. In our, in, in, in our minds, we just, we just kind of say, this is this is who God is. That's not who God is. Sometimes we think of God as being some elderly grandpa that, that we try to, try to get him to answer yes on our prayers to give us what we want. That's not the God that we need to know. Okay? Sometimes we refer to him, and you've heard this, uh, the man upstairs. The big man upstairs. That's who I'm talking to. The big man upstairs. No. That's not the God that we worship. You see, we, we worship the God of the universe. We worship the supreme, sovereign God of the universe. The one who created the heavens and the earth. Where God's word says they speak to us daily. He created all of that. We we. We come to worship the one who is omnipresent, who is everywhere, who is omniscient, who knows everything, who is omnipotent, who is all-powerful. That's who we worship. We worship the God, and we need to know who the God that created the heavens and the earth. We need to know the God who tells the rivers to stop and the oceans to stop. And how far they can go and how far they can't go. That's the, that's the one that we need to know 
something about. This Wednesday, I told you, we watched that video about the awesomeness of God and his creations. And, and, and the, Louis Giglio was talking. It just made such a profound effect on, on me. How, just how big, number one, the universe is. And number two, how big he is. He's not just the man upstairs. You see, Louis was talking about, he said, he said, you know, when God created light, he said, light travels at 186,000 miles a second. A second. That is, it can travel around this old earth, he said, seven times in a second. That's how fast light travels, 186,000 miles. He said, over the course of one year, course of one year, he said, light will travel 5.88 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles in one year. That's amazing. And then he talked about the Hubble telescope who, 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 that can project out there that, that brought us to a galaxy, he said. The furthest one that we can see. And he said that, that galaxy is 31 million light years away. 31 million light years. That's out there. And if you start doing the math, 31 million light years times 5.8 trillion miles that's as least as far as we know that the universe is out there and he said that's just the beginning and the awesome thing about that is the bible tells us he said god measures the universe in the palm of his hand he measures the universe in a palm hand, which says he holds the universe right there. You see, we don't worship the man upstairs. We don't worship some grumpy grandpa. We worship the God who holds trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of miles and stars in the palm of his hand. Don't you want to know something about him? Don't you want to understand who he is? Don't you want to have a deeper relationship with him? Because you see, he knows as big as he is. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows how many teeth you got. He knows how many hair is on your head. He knows he knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows everything about you. He knows where that mole is, and nobody else knows where that mole is. He knows where it's at. He knows the number of cells in your body. You see, we don't worship just anybody. We worship the God who holds all this in the palms of his hands. And my question is to you today, do you really want to know him do you have a passion to know him? To have a more of just more than just a head knowledge of him? And that's what Paul is praying over this church. That they're just not worshiping grumpy grandpa, the man upstairs. They're truly worshiping and wanting 
a knowledge of knowing who God is. Because, see, he was afraid, too, that someday this church would end up closing because they venture away and they, they, they lose the vision of who God is. So let's see how we can grow in our, in our knowledge of him, if you would. Grow in our knowledge of the one who Jesus worshipped when he was here on earth. Let's see what Paul has to say about this. Uh, let's go to verse, uh, verse 17. How can we grow in our knowledge of who God is? It says in verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. May give you a spirit of wisdom. You see, wisdom is taking what you know and how to apply it. Wisdom is taking what you know about God and helping us to develop a deeper and a stronger, more intimate relationship with Him. That's what wisdom does. It's taking what you know and learning how to apply that. And the Bible will tell us wisdom is a is outside of salvation is the greatest thing that you can have. I mean, how many times have you have you asked the Lord, Boy, I need to I need to know something here, God. I need a little wisdom. I mean, I need to know what direction to take. God, I need to know what to say. I need to go. And we ask for wisdom. And wisdom is the outside of salvation. The Bible tells us it's the greatest thing we can have. In, in, in Proverbs 3, 13 through 15, it says this. It says, How blessed is a man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding for her, that's wisdom, for her prophet, wisdom, the prophet is better than the prophet of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Wisdom. Paul is praying for them to have a spirit of wisdom. Because he said, that's a, that nothing compares to wisdom in your desires that you need. It is more precious than silver or gold. And Paul says, I want you to have that spirit of wisdom. I want you to have wisdom. I'm praying that you have wisdom. James 1, 5 says this. If anyone lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask of God. And God will give him to him liberally without reproach. Which means he's not going to say, well, how come you're asking for it now? How many times have you asked the Lord for wisdom so that you'll know more about him? So you'll know how to relate to him a little better. Paul says, man, I want you to have this spirit, this spirit of wisdom. And when you have the spirit of wisdom, you'll grow in your knowledge and the love that you have for the Lord. Second thing we see in that same verse, besides the spirit of wisdom, is it says a revelation in the knowledge of him. A revelation in the knowledge of him. Revelation means to reveal, to uncover, to open. The job of the Holy Spirit is to do what? To reveal truth of God's word to us. That's his job. You know, you, you read something, you go, I don't know what that means. Well, okay, that's fine. Many times I don't. But I can tell you where you can find that wisdom. You can find it in the commentary, sure. And, and, and that's, that's for anybody. 
But you can ask God for wisdom. And the Bible says he'll, he'll give that to you. He will reveal that to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. Because you know when we got saved? You know what happened? The Holy Spirit came into our lives. And one of his jobs is to reveal truth to us. And Paul is asking and, and praying that, that, that God would give them. Give them a revelation of the knowledge. A revealing of knowledge to him. And that knowledge that we get should drive us towards the Lord. The more we know about the Lord, the more we should want to know about the Lord. The spirit or that passion that we need to seek the Lord. We must go after that. We must, uh, we must hunger and thirst, if you would, to know about God. We must hunger and thirst about God. Because, you see, God has this for us. He has this because He's given us His Word. And He's got all this stuff in here for us and all this knowledge and all this wisdom. And He's given that to us. But if we don't seek for it, if we don't have passion for it, if we don't have a hunger and thirst to know Him and to have His wisdom in our lives, then He won't give it to us. And I guess the question is, do you have passion for that? Do you have a hungering and a thirsting to know more about Him? I mean, is that, is that where you're at in life? That, that you, you desire to know more of our Lord? Our Heavenly Father, yes. Do you desire to know more about His Son, Jesus Christ? And you see, that's what Paul is praying for this church, that they'll have this spirit of wisdom. And they'll have this revelation that, that the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to this church and, and those people. And they'll have a desire and a passion to know more about Him. So that their love can grow deeper and more intimate for our Lord. Because we're not just serving the old man upstairs. Do you have that passion? And if you do, if that's something you want in your life, God will honor that. I promise you. God will honor that. And if you don't, he's not going to honor that. Or he'll honor that too, I guess. Do you really want to know him in an intimate? You see, we've got to grow in our knowledge and wisdom and love for others. That's what Paul's praying for this church. The third thing that we see here in verse 18. He also prays this. In the first part of 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The heart of a Christian must be receptive and open in order to receive the light of God, if you would. A dark, sinful heart cannot shine the light of God to a dark world. A heart that does not pursue the things of God that pursues the things of the world, if you would, that heart will grow cold and hardened and bitter. And that heart will not be able to shine the light of God to a dark world. You see, we must be open. Our hearts must be receptive to the Lord. Our hearts must be seeking the Lord, hungering and thirsting for the Lord so that He can give us that light And that light is to shine in a light of darkness. Paul is praying over the church of Ephesians. He's praying over us that our hearts will be open and receptive to the light that God has for us so that we can speak it other places. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says it this way. 
God said, light shall shine out of darkness. That's us. Is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The question is, do you have that passion, that desire to seek out, to want, to really know the Heavenly Father? Well, if you do, what is the result of that knowledge? What is the result of that seeking and of letting Him to speak to us? What is the results of that? Well, let's, let's keep looking there. It says in verse 18, second part there, what's the result of seeking after the Lord? It says, so that you may know what is the hope of His calling. That you as Christians will know what the hope of His calling is. Well, what is, I mean, what does that mean? It means that one day we've been born again, you will truly be holy and you'll truly be blameless and you'll be that way for eternity one day it truly means that you'll know what being adopted into the family of God means and you'll understand it forever and forever because you've been born again one day you'll truly truly understand what it means to be redeemed and forgiven of all your sins yeah we kind of know it now but the Bible says we look through a mirror dimly We can only see part of what it really means. But one day for the believer, we will know, truly, truly understand. We'll be in heaven and we'll go, man, I I understand now what being redeemed means. I understand what it means to be forgiven of every sin that I have committed. That's the hope of his calling. And that's the hope that we have as Christians that one day we'll truly be able to experience that. It is truly understanding that one day, one day that we will be in a place where there is no death, is no sorrow, is no crying, is no pain, is no sin. And we'll be there forever and forever and forever. I don't know about you, that's pretty good. One day, the Bible says, we'll be like Jesus. Did you know that? Righteous and perfect. We're not there yet, but one day we're going to be. And when we're like that and we were transformed and we were given that glorified body, that perfect body, that righteousness that only He can give to us, we'll be able to stand before holy God in His presence to worship Him forever and to praise Him forever and forever and forever. You see, what, that is the result of knowing God. That is the no, result of pursuing God. That we have this hope of His calling that one day we'll truly understand what Jesus did on the cross and how much God loves us and what he has done for us. I don't know about you, but that is good news. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross, us accepting him and wanting, pursuing the things of God. The second thing we see here real quickly, uh, besides the hope of his calling, he says, uh, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? Christians are God's cherished possessions. Did you know this? We are the apple of his eye. We are the brightest gem in his collection of gems. Christians, people, did you understand this? The the greatest thing that God has, we are his inheritance. God brags about that. As believers, we are in his inheritance. It is not creation. It is not the trillion of stars out there that, that... Praise Him because of their brightness. 
It's not the angels that, that, that are with us constantly. That's not the most important thing to God. That is not what he treasures the most. He treasures us. The ones who, who have been created in his own image. Who fail him daily. But he says, you are my inheritance. You are my possession. You are my treasure of all treasures. That ought to make you feel good. That the God of the universe thinks so much of you and of me. We don't deserve that. But he still does that. He still, I, you're still my possession. And because we are his possession, because we are his treasure, what has he done? What has he prepared for us? What does he have for us when we leave this old world? I don't know. What no eye has seen, ear heard, or heart of God can imagine what God has for us. But after watching that video and seeing the awesomeness of the Whirlpool Galaxy and what God has done all there, it's going to be something that's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. And why do we get to do that? Because we are His inheritance. We are the crown jewel of His creation. Man, I don't get that, do you? <laughs> but for some reason, He thinks we're, we're pretty special. Well, we're so special that he said, son, go on down to that, that little blue dot down there on that earth. Walk around for 33 years. Then you're going to have to die a cruel death. But you're going to provide salvation for, for everyone. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. We are the glory of his inheritance. And the third thing we see here real quickly. The result of knowing God and pursuing after him. Is that... In verse 19, he says, What is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? What is that power that he has shown to us? It is the power that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's the power it's talking about. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible tells us that, 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 that there is no temptation, there is no difficulty. There is no trial. There is no enemy. And death is the final enemy. There is none of that can stop the Lord. None of that can stop us. If we have a trial, a temptation, or whatever we've got, an enemy coming up. Because of the power of God of being resurrected from the dead. There's nothing too big, too powerful that God cannot solve. That God cannot answer. That God cannot conquer. You need to remember that. <laughs> it's because of the, the resurrection of Jesus. That power also is, is talks about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That it gives us proof that you and I can have a new life. Every person on this earth can have a new life. And that new life is in Christ. And because we have a new life in Christ, we can have the power to live that life. He hasn't just left us hanging here, has he? Because of Christ's death and his resurrection, we have the power to live the Christian life like he wants us to live it. We have the power to, to conquer every trial and every temptation, and we have the right and the power to have a new life. You want a new life? It comes through the power of Jesus Christ. 
And the third thing I would tell you about the power from raising Jesus from the dead is that one day, one day, guess what? We too will be raised from the dead. We too will be raised from the dead. When we pass from this old earth, our soul, our spirit is in heaven. Bingo, right there. This old body stays around for a while. But one of these days, the Bible tells us that body is going to be resurrected. We're going to come out of that grave. We're going to meet Jesus in the air. Where the Bible says we'll live for, with him forever and forever. And he's going to give us a glorified body. A body that we don't need glasses. We don't need a walker. We don't need a cane. A body that has no cancer. A body that just like Jesus. Perfect, glorified body. Just like Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's a hallelujah right there. That is a good thing. Because we have accepted his son as Lord and Savior. And because we have a desire and a passion to know more about him. You see, the Apostle Paul wanted that for his children in Ephesians. He wanted that more than anything for them. He didn't want that church to close its doors or to die on the vine. And he says, here's what you need to do. I'm praying this for you. I want you to have this spirit of wisdom and of knowledge. I want you to have this hope. I want you to grow in who you know the Lord is. I want you to experience a deeper walk with him. I want you to experience the power of him. And as Paul is praying that over this Ephesian church, I believe he's praying that over us today. Do you have a passion and desire to to grow deeper in the Lord? Or is it, I got my fire insurance, I'm ready to go. I don't believe that's biblical. Fire insurance is good. Salvation is better. But as long as he keeps us here on this earth, what? He says, I want you to grow. I want you to mature. Because as you grow and mature, you're going to experience me in a, in a deeper way. You're going to love me even more. And you're, and you're going to be able to see the power that I have. And it's through, through the power of my son who, raised, who was raised from the dead. Paul prayed that over his church. I've prayed over this church, these very verses. What a great thing for you someday maybe to to take those verses and pray that over somebody else that you know that's a believer. That they will have a passion and a desire to know more, to grow deeper, to have wisdom. Because when we do, he says, man, here is the results of all of that. What a great blessing that would be if you would do that. My prayer is that God will continue to bless this church like he blessed the Ephesian church. Okay? But we can't just be people that sit in the pew and soak, soak it all up. We must soak it up and then we've got to just let it go. We've got to be squeezed out so we start letting out that light to other people. My prayer is, and you've heard me pray this a hundred times, that you'll have a deeper passion for God's Word, a deeper passion to pray for other people, a deeper passion to be obedient to Him. That is my prayer for you. That was Paul's prayer for them. As we begin our invitation time, Trish. I I, I hope the message has spoken to you. 
I, I hope it's kind of uh, stirred the pot a little bit in your life. That you know, I, I need to, I need to spend a little more time in His Word. I need to spend a little more meditation on His Word, to ponder His Word, so that I can experience Him more, and I can love Him more. And the more light that we have from Him, the more we can shine in a dark world. That's the message today. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, just I ask you to do business with the Lord. Do you have that passion that Paul is talking about here to experience Him deeper? Let's pray.